Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. What if I told you that some of the veterans who fought to defend our country returned home only to end up fighting for survival on the streets? The problem of veteran homelessness isn't limited to a few people or even a few hundred. Across the nation, roughly 40,000 veterans remain homeless. This is Jennifer Dykes, Chief of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System. On this episode of Upholding Valor, we'll hear the challenges and struggles of life on the streets and learn about some of the programs that can help veterans find safety and shelter. Joining us now is Steve Underwood, who uses his experience with homelessness to help other veterans. I'm Stephen J. Underwood, and I'm 68, and I'm a Vietnam vet. Navy, 71 through 75. I wanted to serve. I didn't particularly believe in the Vietnam War, but I love my country. If I had to do it all over again, I would do it again. I was on an ammunition ship, so I transferred ammunition to destroyers, carriers, cruisers. My experience in in the service was Vietnam, all three years. I only came back to the States once during my three years there. It was horrible. When I first got back, um, I, I just went through a total cultural shock. I always knew there was something wrong. In fact, uh, first movie my wife and a couple of friends went to see was Deer Hunter. Um, I thought, okay, cool. You know, I like the outdoors and I like deer. That was probably a, the longest two hours of my life. Not only was I severely affected by that film, so were the other people. And they wanted me to talk about it. I just said, no, I don't do that. The problem is, is that when you're damaged, you don't realize it. I struggled a lot when I got back. I knew there was something wrong with me. I just didn't know what. I went to doctors and psychologists and and therapists, and nothing worked. So I spent 40 years searching. And the thing about veterans, it's very difficult to ask for help because we were trained that we have to do it. We have to tough it out. We have to do it ourselves. But when your brain isn't working properly. It just doesn't work. I'm like a lot of veterans, um, Vietnam vets. Um, We came back, we knew we were damaged, couldn't get any answers, so we went right to work. I worked for 40 years, even though I drank, I still was able to to work and function and prosper. Um, I've always worked in management, I always had problems with my temper. I worked for Staples for 13 years. Got fired on 2008. I'm not physically violent, but my dad used to tell me 
My mouth was always going to get me in trouble, and I'm proud to say I never let him down. My frontal lobe, it's like, it's like I don't have a, a filter. That's what got me in trouble. And I, when I got fired, I, was, I mean, that was kind of my family and my friends. I didn't have any friends outside of, of Staples. With no support system in place, Steve's problems quickly escalated, and it wasn't long before he became homeless. He recalled being wet, hungry, and trapped under the weight of what he said was an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness. I quit drinking, so I wasn't uh, self-medicating. I remember that I used to joke that um, a good day was getting four hours of sleep, and most days I didn't sleep at all. It's painful. I remember eating out of garbage cans, and uh, I'm a proud person. And I, I, I think that's what I just decided I, I couldn't live this way. That's when I planned to end my life. I always felt like suicide was a coward's way out. But when it, you're faced with it and you feel like it's the only way out, it's almost justified. I kept all, everything I owned was in my backpack. And I remember getting pictures of my daughter and my ex-wife and family, my brother. I just um, couldn't do it. I was in a friend's apartment and I called 911. I had a loaded 9 millimeter. And the 911 operator talked me down. And that's how I got to the VA. While Steve would get the help he needed, his struggles were far from over. But before we continue hearing about Steve's journey, let's meet Todd Drazen, who, like many veterans, struggled to resume a normal life after active duty. My name is Todd Drazen. I was in the Marine Corps. I served uh, 82 to 85 and then three years inactive, 85 to 88. I was a field wireman, and that was uh, communications. Separation was kind of tough. I got married while I was in, and that kind of fell apart after I got out. So it was kind of tough in the the beginning. I was starting to have problems um, when I was in in the Marine Corps, but I never sought uh, medical help for it. People don't understand mental health and they they don't want to acknowledge that you know people have mental health issues um, especially in the Marine Corps back in in the 60s 70s and 80s it was kind of a no you don't go to a, you know a psychiatrist or a, you know a therapist uh, okay because that's just really frowned upon as the years have progressed I've had difficulties I was diagnosed years later with bipolar, uh, manic depressive, and uh, um, bipolar uh, two and then one has been my recent diagnosis, and that goes with suicide and those kind of things. My behavior had changed as the years went on while I was in the service, and then when I got out, I I really had had some issues. I, I had my first divorce. When that was crumbling, that behavior became worse and worse and worse as the years went on. Um, I got married again. I had children. And that's when I started having more issues with the bipolar. And it wasn't until 2011 when they diagnosed me with uh, bipolar 1. I was hospitalized multiple times within months. 
what that means is kind of went a little crazy. I needed to be in, you know, in the lockdown ward because they're, you know, one of the first things that bipolar is. You commit suicide when you're in those states. And I was in a manic episode for about two and a half, three months. They finally stabilized me on some medication, and that's where the VA came in. Meanwhile, Steve's life had unraveled. Worn out from the rigors of life, he attempted suicide. And it was there, while in distress at the hospital, that a twist of fate would lead Steve to the VA and offer him a second chance at life. I'm a suicide survivor. I tried to commit suicide about six years ago. And I remember being in the ER, and I was just really agitated, and I was in constant motion, and I kept saying, i got to get out of here. I can't pay for this. I can't pay for this. So I was homeless at the time. And I had my DD-214 in, in my pack, and it fell out. And the nurse practitioner that was there, who was also a social worker, saw it, and she goes, just a second. She left and came back about a half hour later, and she goes, you're covered. We're going to transfer you up to the VA. And uh, got into a, a VA cop car after, you know, the initial intake. And it was the first time in 40 years that somebody said, thank you for your service. I remember the first time I went to breakfast. I didn't, I didn't even get out of bed for days. I mean... They'd come in, take my blood pressure, and and check my temp, and you know do all that. But they kind of let me sleep for a couple of days, and that was it. And then I had to get up and do things. And I remember the first time I walked into the mess hall, I just panicked. I mean, there were so many veterans in there. I mean, I, I just turned white as a ghost. And I met a friend. Um, didn't know who he was, but he saw me, and he said, here, come sit with me. We're friends today. Um, he was going through his own recovery as I'm going through mine. From there, they were going to transfer me to Freedom Landing, and I didn't want to go. I just said, no, it's too far away. At that point in my life, getting on a bus or taking tracks was just, it was not an option. I, I needed to be closer to the VA. So they put me in Valor House. I remember my first group was an ACT group. That was my first experience with veterans. In my 40-year search, I never met another veteran. And I didn't talk the first day. And listen to the vets, my mouth just dropped open. I call it my aha moment. And I, that's when I realized it wasn't crazy. I knew at that point that I wanted, once I was recovered enough, I, w I wanted to help other veterans. Steve was getting better by the day. Within a year, he had graduated from VA group housing. Ready to move out on his own, Steve thought the prospect of independence frightening. But with a little help, he would take those first steps, and in doing so, began to take his life back. By uh, 2014, I moved into uh, housing through a uh, housing authority. And I live in a nice apartment. I remember when Laura took me to look at the apartment. I kept saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. She goes, well, you know, well, let's just go look at it. And it was nice. I mean, I, you know, my last last place I was staying was probably as big as the bathroom I have now. And it has long 
hallways. And I remember coming around the corner on the elevator and looking down the hall. And it's like a scene out of Shining, you know, how the hallway expands. And I just, you know, she kind of had to help me, you know, grab my arm. It's about the point that I got, I met Jennifer Steele. And I started working with her. She's amazing. Her thing was journaling. Yeah, right. I'm going to journal, okay? But I'm happy to say that I, I journal now, every day. Found out I'm a poet. I've written 25 poems. And there was a method to her madness. She got me to go into a rap group with a, the guy teaching it. was just absolutely amazing. His name is Mark Hutchinson, and he heads up the peer support program. Uh, about halfway through... I started talking to Jen Steele. I think that's what I want to do. My whole life, I never knew what I wanted to do. My joke, running joke, was, I'll know what I want to do when I grow up. But the minute I made the decision to become a peer support specialist, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in rec therapy. I wanted to work with people that were like me. Joining us now is VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System's Homeless and Justice Program Director, Jen Steele, who said that while veteran homelessness in Utah has decreased by 40% since 2011, stories of veterans like Steve and Todd are all too common. My name is Jen Steele, and I'm the director of the Homeless and Justice Program. We have a variety of different programs under the Homeless Program. Our goal is to house veterans and try to help them maintain and gain self-sufficiency. Our grant per diem housing is transitional housing with community partners in the community. Um, These are places veterans can stay for a limited amount of time while they're getting back on their feet and getting into permanent housing. HUD VASH vouchers are permanent housing vouchers. Um, HUD provides the voucher and VA provides the case management services. We work with veterans to get them housed, and then we continue to visit them in their homes and make sure that they have what they need to maintain their housing and stability. HPACT is our homeless primary care team. This is a newer part of our program where we have a primary care physician and team who can work with specifically with homeless veterans and at community locations as well. Right now we have um, about 100 gram per diem beds. We also have 600 HUD-VASH vouchers throughout the state of Utah and southeastern Idaho. VJO program is usually serving about 100, 120 veterans at a time. Those are the veterans that are in those programs, but we, we, see, we see probably more than that, just walking in and asking for assistance. The biggest challenges we have right now are that the housing market is very tight. Occupancy for rentals is, is very low, so it's, it's challenging to find places in the community quickly to house veterans. We have an open-door policy. You can call our outreach. We have hours established here on campus for walk-in clinics. We're also out in the community with established hours at the, at the shelters at this time. 
If a veteran was walking into our walk-in clinic, we, one of our clinicians would meet with the veteran, find out more about their situation, do a psychosocial assessment. The more information we can get from the veteran, the better we are able to assist that veteran and help he or she connect to the most resources. So one of our clinicians would sit down with the veteran maybe for about 45 minutes and get as much information as possible about the veteran's background, current living situation, income, so that we can figure out which programs the veteran is eligible, whether they're here at the VA or in the community, and help to connect the veteran to those resources. I do know that overall, I can speak for the state of Utah, our our veteran numbers are lower than non-veteran populations as far as homelessness. I think across the country, more significant progress has been seen in veteran homelessness. But here in the state of Utah, our our numbers are definitely lower than non-veteran populations. And we've had a lot of resources dedicated to this over the past, you know, eight or nine years as well. This is not something that can be accomplished by any agency by itself. I mean, when the initiative was rolled out for veteran homelessness, it was a very comprehensive approach. It was, of course, housing, but in addition to housing, it was case management. It was vocational services. It was community partnerships, community coordination. So the VA has not focused on housing alone. Housing is a part of the solution, but it is not the only solution, especially if individuals do not have the support and resources they need to maybe address and help them with some of the issues that may have led to homelessness in the first place. Having reached a low point in his life, the only place for Steve to go was up. But he didn't just make strides in his own life. Steve used his experience to reach other veterans. Veterans who remind him of the once lost soul who just needed a friend to talk with. You know, for me, I was lucky. There are a lot of vets out there that I just, it brings tears to my eyes. You know, I think it all happens in their own time. And for AA, AA says you have to hit bottom. I hit bottom. I just wish there was a way that we could find a way to help before they hit bottom. Because when you're when you're down that low, it's just it's so dark. And you feel so hopeless. That's what the VA's give me. It's given me hope, and that's what I try to pass on to the veterans that I work with, or a veteran that I see. You know, if you can see it in their eyes, and just talking to them, there is hope. I've been a peer support specialist now for two years. Peer support program are veterans that have gone through their own struggles. And they've gone through intensive training, and they all work in different fields. It's a veteran-to-veteran program. We're non-paid federal employees, but I can't think of anything better to, to do. I love reaching out to people that are struggling because that was me six years ago, and I didn't have somebody that said, these are some things that you can do. I mean, we don't do it for them because that no way to grow but we help get them there if they need someone to walk them there that's not a problem if they want us to sit them into a session with them we can do that too i love going in there and and looking at the window and and seeing that sad face looking in and i go out and i just stand next to that person and i'll do that every day until they speak and then i'll speak and try to get them to 
come in. I got one guy to come in, and it was felt just like me. I mean, I looked at him, and I mean, he was just white as a ghost. And I just said, okay, just breathe. Breathe in, breathe out. We'll step out now. And then we went for a walk. I'm getting him to play pickleball now. I just, I'm really grateful for the VA. I mean, searching for 40 years, wondering why I didn't like people standing behind me, why I didn't like getting in elevators, why I couldn't handle fireworks. I get it now. I can actually sleep on the 4th of July now. I don't like fireworks. I probably never will, but it's not as traumatizing. And I owe that to the VA and the programs. The VA and the and the Valor House pretty much saved my life. If I didn't come up here, I wouldn't be here. The programs that they offered there and the people and the, the being around other veterans was what the what the doctor ordered for me. For Todd, his time at the VA marked a turning point. Having received the help he needed, Todd was able to live life on his own terms and also deepen the connections with his family. But asking for help, he said, is often the hardest part of a veteran's journey. I have to say that the VA here has, has really stepped up and, and done some wonderful things for a lot of people. The homeless program is very dear to me. Okay, because they're they're the ones who, they were the net that stopped me from committing suicide. You know, I was hospitalized here on campus. Plus, I was in, before that, I was hospitalized in Provo. I was hospitalized in American Fork. Then they finally transferred me here to uh, Salt Lake. And that's where I got my medical team. And it made a huge change for me. And... If you go through hardships like those, it makes you stronger, but you also have to have to listen to your doctors and do group therapies, and you have to put in an effort, and that's what I've done, and I'm, I'm healthier. I mean, I've, I've got a long ways to go, and I'm humbled by it, but that's kind of my path. Homelessness can happen to almost anyone, but I think it happens a lot of times with with veterans in particular because you have separation, you have wartime. Some of the horrific things that they saw in the last wars, like PTSD and the issues that they have to deal with, um, it, you know, even going back to Vietnam era, there were no support systems for these people that were hurting so badly. I think what ends up happening is a lot of veterans will turn to drugs and alcohol just to feel okay. And... Uh, you know, I've been there. I've done that. You know, I never really liked myself when I was that way. But now I'm sober, and I take my meds every day. I have great relationships with my son and daughter, and that make, that means the world to me. I live on my own, and, and I've never lived on my own by myself, ever. And now I'm learning to do that. And I'm 56 years old. If I was to give some advice is if you have the willpower to get through boot camp and go through the service and go to war and come back home and lose a buddy in the war, then you need to look at how do you, how do you make life better for other veterans by staying alive and getting help. And if you're homeless, ask for help. That's what you have to do. I've 
gotten a, a lot of help here at the VA. I've got a wonderful team here. They've been crucial in me recovering to the point now where I'm being asked to be a part of the Hope Squad, which is just beginning, but it's the first one in the United States. And what an honor. I, you know, I would have never thought years ago that I would be a part of something bigger than me. Thank goodness I pulled myself together and got some training and met some friends and life began again. It's like night and day. My kids love me. I'm not deluded to the fact or worried that uh, that my kids hate me because I have this mental illness. They've seen me at my worst, have seen me at, at a homeless shelter, and they've seen me go from there all the way to where I am today. And I couldn't have done it without all of the help, but I'm especially proud that they got to see the strength the perseverance, and they gave me love when I needed it. And that, to me, is precious beyond compare. And I'm glad that I'm sober and can understand and see that in my child's faces. They know that I'm active, that I'm trying to make a difference. You know, I went to the orientation for the Hope Squad, and I just want to give back because I am so thankful for every little bit of help, every smile, every moment of time that I now have. You have to be there to try to get better, okay, and try to help yourself and have perseverance. You have to persevere to keep going when you think all is lost because I'm a living example that once you hit ground zero, you can pull yourself up with the help. That's kind of like my message. It's touching for me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost there, you know, crying because I don't want to bury you with the bad stuff. I, I want to, I, I want to show that there's hope. I just hope that um, someone listens to this podcast and says, "Hey, I'm going to get some help." That it lifts them up because we're here to help. And I'm immensely blessed to be a, a part of this VA. If you're a veteran listening to this podcast, I would really um, encourage you, personally encourage you to reach out to our office. We'll provide the walk-in hours and the walk-in number. There's also a, a veteran homeless hotline that you can call at any time and get connected with this VA as well. There's really no wrong door, no matter how you come in. We want to help you and we want to connect you to the other resources that we have available. For veterans experiencing homelessness, the National Hotline is 1-877-424-3838. If you're local to Salt Lake City, our outreach number is 801-582-1565, extension 4706. Landlords interested in working with us can contact our program coordinator at area code 801-582-1565, extension 6333. This concludes this episode of Upholding Valor. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe or rate us. Or better yet, tell a friend to tune in by texting VETERANS to 57500 or go to ksl360.com veterans. We hope you'll join us for the next podcast. 
where we talk to some Vietnam veterans exposed to Agent Orange and their stories of survival. <laughs> 